The Gestalt Gardener podcast is brought to you by Varicosity Vein Center, providing health assessment screenings and compassionate care to improve your vascular functionality and quality of life. Our doctors and vein specialists offer solutions to painful varicose veins, spider veins, and other venous diseases to our patients. Now offering complimentary vein screenings in Jackson, Madison, and Ridgeland. Information and appointment scheduling at varicosityveincenter.com. Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning? I'm Horticulturist Felder Rushing, and you are listening to the Gestalt Garden. You're tuned in. I hope you listen. We're going to be talking about just gardening for the next hour or so. Uh, my producer is an awesome job of Chapman. We're going to have fun just talking about gardening. Uh, public broadcast and weekly garden program is what I call it. Uh, coming up in today's late July broadcast, I'm going to give you a heads up on what you can be doing in your southern garden. Share a few interesting emails, some really cheesy music, which I adore being able to do every week here at MPB. But most importantly, because we're live here at MPB, and I'm a real gardener, I'm a real garden expert, I try to bridge the gap between the two and not get too confused. I want to be talking with you in real time about what's going on or not in your own garden. Sit back, folks. Me and Java are going to do a little news, come back and start this informal party we call Mississippi Public Broadcasting Geese Talk Gardener. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Whew, Java, I just took my hat off, and I can't even keep these headphones on. My head is so sweaty. It's hot out there, and that's the only thing you can say about it. Yeah, and humid. Don't forget, you know, don't make me play some of this uh, weatherman stuff, because I've got, it is hot, but mostly it's humid. You know, it could be 80 degrees, Java, but the humidity, your sweat can't evaporate, so it just beads up. And that's the thing everybody always says about Mississippi. They come from all over the world, basically, and they say it's just, it's not about just, like you say, not just hot. It's that humidity that beats you up. Yeah. Well, you know, in New Orleans, it's okay because you stand around there with a margarita in your hand, but we got to get to work here. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I tell people, I've got a lot of friends from the Midwest and New England, West Coast, and they come in and they said, y'all so slow. you just slow here. I said, look. First of all, we don't have winter. We don't have to get ready for stuff. You know, you guys in Minnesota got to chop some wood, got to make sure there's oil in the furnace and, you know, radiators taken care of. Here we got all year. And if you do stuff too fast, you run out of stuff to do. But also, it's too hot to move. And if you move fast, not only are you going to run out of stuff to do, but you're going to get hot and you're going to make people around you mad. And I think the the closer you get to the islands, the more of that it's all right, man, kind of yeah. vibes off of. Because uh, the more you go up, the hurry, the faster it gets. Yep, yep, the come yep. on down, the slower it gets. <laughs> I tell people all the time, look, you know, we're not we're not. St- Slow because we're stupid. We're slow because we're in a stupor. <laughs> <laughs> the humidity is that monkey on your back, baby. I tell you what, and on my front and dripping down my arm. Anyway, we're going to talk about gardening. Let's get back to that. I'm going to be talking about nothing but gardening for the next hour or so. I've got a little cheesy music coming up in about 20, 22 minutes, something like that. But it's going to be a call-in program. It's live here at MPB. And uh, like I try to, to, to mention every week, 
I do have lots of university. I'm a retired university horticulturist, but I'm also a longtime gardener raised by a gardener who was raised by a gardener who was raised by a gardener. And my great-grandmother was a horticulturist. She taught me stuff in her garden till I was uh, in, in my mid-teens. And uh, when I went to horticulture school uh, at Mississippi State and LSU, I learned real quick that there's a different approach to horticulture. Horticulture is crop production. And if you're trying to get yard of the month or fill your freezer or you want to have nice cut flowers or you're trying to attract all sorts of butterflies, if, if you have a goal, you know, then all these little tricks and, and, uh, and nuances and, and uh, uh, you know, things like that will absolutely help you do a better job, be more efficient, get where you want to go easier, better, more efficiently. But if you're just knocking around in the yard, if you, if you, <laughs> you just, you know, maybe the tomato is not going to turn red because the bug's going to get it. But let's take a Sharpie pen and draw a smiley face on the green one, okay? It's the, you know, I guess what I'm saying, some people are about the destination. That's horticulture's destination. Gardening is the journey. And, you know, so whichever way you want to go. I've got a foot planted in both sides and mulched on one side. So if you want to give us a call and talk about anything related to lawns or vegetables or flowers or trees or shrubs or insects or diseases or weeds or uh, potted plants or anything like that. If I don't know, is somebody going to call us up and help us out or shoot me an email or I will find out before next week and get back with you. You can also do something else that you can't do on, on as far as I know, any other uh, gardening program in the country. You can shoot me an email. I'm mostly caught up. I think I've got three, maybe four, that I had to scratch my head on and put off till I could spend a little bit more time on them. But if you shoot us an email with any kind of garden-related stuff, it's, a, it's the picture. Try to keep it clear and close up, not a fuzzy thing you took from the roadside. Then... Uh, I'll try to find that for you because I'm tapped into a network of folks like me who love gardening but are trained in horticulture and are nonprofit. I can try to sell you some. This is the only gardening program I know where you can call up and you can count on me saying, I don't know. Uh, nope, nothing you can do about it. What can I do with nothing? How about this? Java, you, you see how I brought this, this chunk of wood in here? Yeah, that's real. Yeah, well, well, what is that, man? You know, it's about the si- half size piece of paper. It's a big old piece of bark off of a pine tree. You know, from the outside, you can see it's got those flat scales and the bark and all. But if you notice, it's got tiny little holes, smaller than a pencil. You can't squeeze a, a grain of rice in these little holes. But if you turn it around under on the inside of the bark, it's got all these trails and patterns. It's caused by a little tiny thing called a pine bark beetle. And they go into a tree. And a healthy tree, like a mosquito, just zeroes in on a pine tree. And if the tree is healthy, it'll push it back out with that sticky sap. You know how sticky pine trees are. It'll booger them up. They said, nope, I don't think so. But if the tree's weak or it's droughty or it's got root damage or it's been struck by lightning and it can't really, it's not really at its top form, bug gets in and it starts going around and around under the bark. It's like cutting its throat. Because all the living part of the tree is right under that bar. And it just goes back and forth and back and forth. And if you get two or three or four or a hundred or more beetles in a tree, it's going to die within like two weeks. Uh, now, that's that's something because we're going to put the picture up on the website. But those holes are like tiny. Yeah, you can't get a grain of rice in it. And to take down a big uh, a big tree like that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I see it all the time. I, you know, I walk here in the mornings. And uh, did I already say it kicked my butt this morning? 
because <laughs> it did, the humidity. It's a, not quite two and a half miles each way. And I get to look at vines and flowers and trees and lawns and weeds and sort of get pumped for the program, you know, because I go through different, several different kinds of neighborhoods and uh, some commercial properties and all. Anyway, I see dead pine trees here and there, just here and there, random trees. Most of the time they've been struck by lightning, but sometimes they've been struck by lightning and they get a lot of pine beetles in them and the beetles... There's so many of them in that one tree that they can leave that tree and overwhelm a healthy tree that's next door because there's just too many of them. It's too many mosquitoes to brush off. So anyway, if you've got a pine tree that turns completely brown, the ends of the branches are dead, uh, chances are if it wasn't struck by lightning, didn't have root damage, it's pine bark beetles. Unfortunately, <laughs> long story short, ain't nothing you can do about it. And anybody that tells you difference either selling something or they're up to no good, or they just don't know, or they don't have the confidence to say, sorry, you can't do anything because, you know, people want a solution. And sometimes solution is go find something else to do. <laughs> Not much else we can do. It's a call-in program. You want to give us a, a shout, one eight seven seven mpb ring Let's start out in Jackson and talk with Jim. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Felder. Jim Rosenblatt with a question about my law school guard. Okay, first of all, did somebody rat me out? How's that? I stopped by there yesterday. Oh, I didn't know that. You didn't, because I have a uh, note I was going to talk about. I was I was in the neighborhood, and I swung by. And by the way, uh, you you got a little garden on one side. It says uh, uh, Rosenblatt's Garden, Dean's Garden, whatever. But on the other side, there's the Rosenblatt patio. Is this Rosenblatt Estates we got going on down there? <laughs> I don't know, Felder. <laughs> but my, my question is, uh, I put out some zinnias this year, and they've just been abundant producers, and I've been giving cut flowers to everybody in the school. They're chest high, and they look great. I've had the best tomato crop this year I've ever had, and I wonder if the zinnias and their uh, flowers help attract bees or butterflies that might have helped my tomato pollination. Well, they they do attract butterflies and bees. They do attract a lot of pollinators, but, you know, the tomatoes and the peppers are are pretty much, uh, you know, they're pollinated by wind anyway. So if the the bees do work the flowers, that'll be better, but I think it's just because we've had some decent weather. It hasn't been too hot. Hadn't been too dry, you know. And, and by the way, the vines ain't looking that good, Dean, I'm going to tell you. You need to think about setting some more out for fall. All right. Uh, some of my determinate tomatoes are dying, and I've got some replacements. There you go. I've got to put in and get some fall tomatoes, too. I noticed you uh, you have some okra you didn't get around to picking in the past day or two also. Oh, I know. It grows so <laughs> fast. But that okra blossom felder is the most beautiful blossom. I know it's a high business. So I saw, I saw peppers, I saw tomatoes, I saw unbelievable zinnias, I saw okra. Um, you got a nice rosemary plant, um, some fennel maybe or dill. And some dill. Okay, I just want to know. I paid it to and you get. Well, and you got a little scarecrow out there too. But on the other side of the, you know, they named the uh, the the patio after you. So I'm thinking I'm gonna call this Rosenblatt Estate now. Oh, no. You're too kind. <laughs> anyway, much, I appreciate your call. Hug your sweetheart. Yes, sir. All right. Folks, how many folks you know, hotshot lawyer, dean emeritus of the law school, he's got a patch of okra right out in the parking lot. And I'm not laughing at him. I'm laughing with him because this is great. I'm horticulturist Phil rushing. Let's go down to Diamond Head now. Hey, Billy, what's going on on the coast? Hey, Felder, it's wonderful down here. It's very humid, though, just the same up in jackson area yeah uh i have two questions for you first is does kudzu have thorns nope 
And then the second one, my persimmon tree, which I have fertilized, is dropping all of its persimmons. That's yeah. my that's it. Is is it well is a is a persimmon tree, is it a Japanese persimmon or a native one? Japanese. Okay. Usually when they when they shed fruit there there's there's different kinds of Japanese ma- uh, ma- persimmons. Some are self fruitful. They'll set fruit without pollination. Some need pollination and the persimmons will get up to a certain size, you know, b- b- much bigger than a grape, uh, you know, bigger than your thumb, and if they're not if they're not pollinated, they'll shed. Okay, I do have two two different varieties. Well, the one called Fuyu or Fuyu Gaki is most likely to set fruit with no pollination and hold them on there. But the others, if it was raining a whole lot, uh, when it it was time for pollination, the bees didn't get to those flowers, that might be all it is. They call it June drop, even if it happens in July when when the early fruit shed because of stress or or, or it's not making a seed, so the plant just says heck with it and throws them off. Well, appreciate it. Thank you so much, sir. Okay, well, wait, wait, wait. I want to ask, what's up with yeah. Kudzu and the Thorn? What's up with that question? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I was thinning, I was out in the backyard with a with a with with an axe, and I hit what I thought was Kudzu, you know, trying to chop it down. Uh-huh. And, and the tree that it was going up into had so much tension on it, 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 it pulled it up slapped me in the face, cut me on my nose and on my forehead, and I looked like I had been in a fight. Well, there, there, there's a native vine out there called Smilax. Some people are okay. Greenbrier, and, okay. uh, and, and it's, it's a native plant. It's all out in the woods. It could be that some of that was up there in, too, and it's got thorns. They're not big thorns, and they're not real thick. They're just sort of prickles scattered along the vine, but there's a yeah. lot of that out there. Well, I appreciate that. Okay, don't, you know, be careful next time. Wear a nose guard. <laughs> I will. Thank you, you so bet, much. You bet, Billy. Appreciate it. Have a good day, sir. Thank Bye. you. Okay, let's go to Terry. Hey, Robert, Western Hines, Western Hines County. What's going on? Hey, guys. I was just saying, listen, the humidity. Um, I came back from the foothills of the Carolinas. Oh, yeah. It's humid and, there. Uh, and so I do grow. And so I grew a couple years. And then this year, it's been so bad, and I work outside in it. And when I come home, the last thing I want to do is get back in it. Oh, yeah. And so this is probably the first year I have not grown since I've been back. Well, it, you know. It, and, um, it just kind of zaps your inhibition to it, want to get out there, even though I want to so bad. And, and, you know, and that's that's the thing about Southerners. You know, people aren't from down here. They they, they think we're lackluster, and we are. We're whipped. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I try to do cigar, and it's so bad, to, uh, R- Robert. I was out in my garden watering yesterday, and I had sweat dripping off my nose like it was raining. And I was just holding a hose. But exactly. anyway, you know, yeah. there, there are ways like, around it's not, it's not like we're lackadaisical yeah. <laughs> about things. It's just that, especially if you work outside in it all day, Yeah. and then you go home once you take care of your garden or whatnot, it, it just sometimes... It's just tough to do. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, people don't understand that unless you move to the, somewhere like the Carolinas, and well, then you move back, and then you're like, wow. Well, I, I, I spent a lot of time in South Carolina. Uh, some of my ancestors came from there, and I've got real, real good friends. I do a lot of lecturing. As a matter of fact, I was over there two weeks ago visiting a friend, and uh, uh, the foothill, you know, they have almost identical climate to ours, except they get a little more breeze off the Atlantic, and it and and the hot air rises into the mountains. Yeah. It gets a little bit more of a draft. Yeah, 
Yeah, the blue. I lived right at the foothills of the Blue Ridge. Oh, yes, so, yeah. It sucked a lot of that. It does. It does. It does. And it blew in the mountain air. Well, you know, now I, I'm always amazed when, when people from outside the South come in to learn what SPT is. <laughs> Southern people time, and it's just nothing but humidity. Thank you, yeah. man. Appreciate you calling. But, uh, hey, yeah, yeah. Hey, thank you guys. Uh, great job on your show. We okay. don't have it in Carolina that much. I'm glad to be back in Mississippi. You got a guy named named Bob uh, Palumski over there who does uh, some radio. I've known Bob a long time, but he does it on the and he does it on on, on there. I think it's either the public uh, radio station or it might be out of Clemson. I don't remember. But okay, he, actually, he's a good I'm, guy. I'm, I'm heading to Greenville right now as we speak. Okay, keep, keep you know, you should be hitting Atlanta in about four and a half or five hours. Yeah, in a bad time. Close your eyes, zip right through. See <laughs> you, man. All right, sir. We're gonna move on to Kiln, Mississippi. Hey, Joe. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Crowder. What's up? Um, I'm the. Actually, I'm from, I, I graduated from Clemson and Forestry. In okay. State. I'm from South Carolina also. Yeah, cool. I love your show. I appreciate it. Please. I'm uh, like a consultant forester down here in Hancock County. Uh-huh. And I've got a client over there in Lawrence County that's thinking outside of the box, trying to think outside of the box, and instead of planting after a clear-cut uh, lot while it's fine, wants to plant bamboo for profit. Huh. That's well, what I well, for, first of all, he, you could plant bamboo and you can grow bamboo. None of those are hard at all. But what you don't sell, you got to smell unless there's a market for it. And the specific varieties, markets look for specific varieties, not just any old bamboo. That's right. So, you know, it's just like, you know, as a, as a forester, you know, if, they're, if they want a hardwood, you know, don't plant pines. So, uh, you know, what, what, what you know... Yeah. Can I email you? Yeah. Does yeah. the extension department have any information on that? No. Um, so I can respond no. to them? No, they don't because uh, okay. uh, there may be a publication or. But uh, if there's a bamboo, if there's a market for bamboo, we can find out for it pretty quickly. And uh, I don't know if the forestry department would do it more like the horticulture department. But we got some good folks there who can help with that. But anyway, right. let's ta- let's take it for the. It's not hard growing bamboo, but the problem is selling it, getting it to market. Correct. And, uh, and that. Non-resident landowners also, so that makes it a little more difficult. Well, you, you and I both know there's a lot of folks who got land and they want to have horses or bamboo on it, and they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> well, so, I've had clients that want to grow mushrooms or yep. or all kind of stuff. Anyway. Yeah, and and it's possible, but again, well, you know, it's 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 more about marketing than production. Got to have the market. Correct. Yep. And uh, find right. out find out what variety. So we can take it from there. I'm real familiar with bamboo, but there's a couple of guys I know with Extension Service who who if they're if they're interested in this, you can tap into. I will shoot you an email. Nothing to it, man. Okay, Thanks, sir Joe. Love your program. Okay, let me ask you this: How long, yeah. you're from South Carolina? Columbia, yes, sir. Okay, Columbia, cool, cool, cool. Uh, I would just uh, visit a friend in, in North Augusta, which is really, you know, nowhere sure. near South Carolina. Uh, uh-huh. But I've spent a good bit of time there in Columbia. Um, South Carolina's got a palm a palm tree on the flag, right? That's correct. Captain Palm, that's correct. Okay, I just want to make sure that we're not the only state that's, that 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 has just a flower on the flag because that's what we're headed for. It's uh, in the Crescent Moon and the Palm, uh, Captain Palmetto. That's, that's, right. that's right. That's right. All righty, man. Appreciate it. Stay, cool, stay cool and hydrated. See ya. Should I not have gone there? Okay, we're going to take a little break. 
<laughs> I'm pushing to have a magnolia put on our flag. Okay, folks, you know, I love our flag. I love our history. I love our old blah, 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 blah. We need, we're the magnolia state. It's our state flower. It's a state tree. Let's put a magnolia on the flower flag that everybody can be proud of, and they'll fly it in our state capital again. We're going to take a break. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. It's not about politics. It's about the magnolia flower. If we get a scratch and sniff flag, we can smell it too. Now we're talking. MPB has this garden party every week called the Gestalt Garden. I'm your host, Horticulture's Felder Rushing. Me and Sir Java Chapman can take a quick break and come back with more about gardening right after this. If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie doke, welcome back. Horticulture's Felder Rushing. A scratch and sniff flag. Wouldn't that be cool? Now, that's an invention right there, Felder. You know, especially if it could, you know, the fragrance would be in the, so when it waves in the wind, the whole place, well, the whole state smells like magnolias anyway, because they got so many out there. We have a magnolia blooming right outside the MPB building. Uh, a lot of people forget that our magnolias bloom in the spring and early summer, and they'll spritz along after that. But there's one magnolia, which again is our state flower and our state flag here in Mississippi, our state state fly state flower state tree there's one that blooms continuously all the way to october and it's a, a sort of a miniature one it's called little gem g-e-m little gem is a magnolia that it'll get a pretty good size but more like a big shrub than a small tree and it's kind of narrow not quite columnar so it's not a big wide spreading thing the roots aren't going to booger up your foundation it'll fit in a big container i've seen them in delaware and containers. Uh, it's a good, compact, same glossy green top, same furry brown bottom of the leaf, same flower, same fragrance, everything about it, but everything is miniature. It's called a little gem. Let's go to uh, uh, Columbia. Hey, Susie, good morning. Good morning. How are you? What's going on? Well, I do butterfly gardening, and I raise butterflies for eggs just for fun. Mm-hmm. And so I have to keep things blooming. Yeah. Well, I'm having a problem with my lantana. It's looking all burned up and crispy. Yeah, well, some of it, but it's just not blooming. So I was wondering if a little haircut would help it. It does. A pruning lantana, uh, it, it sort of jump starts with a lot of new growth. Also, we've had so much rain. Lantana does better in miserable, hot, dry, hanging off the hillside type of condition without a whole lot of fertilizer. And we've had uh-huh. so much rain. Uh, I've seen great lantana blooming, you know, as I travel around the state, but mine's just got a few flowers here and there, and that's it. And I, I think it's just because of all the rain. Now, yours blooms real good in the early spring? Oh, no, no. Mine's not blooming well at all, but I have seen lantana. Usually when you see it blooming great, it's between a rock and a hard place. Okay, because mine blooms real pretty early, yeah. and then let's, it just quit. Let, let's go ahead and cut it back. By the way, do you grow perennial salvias? 
I do. I do have some salvia, but my favorite butterfly plant is Porter weed. I was getting. I was. I was what I was getting at. Porter weed is a goofy looking little flower. Looks like a. Looks like a rat tail sticking up the ground. A little little tiny. Usually blue. I've seen pink and uh, and uh, and there's kind of an orangish one. But big butterflies will hang off those tiny little flowers. Right. And another plant I just love is Mexican sunflower. Mm-hmm. Yep. Tithonia. They've just, they've just been coming up. I've never had this before. I've always had to save the seeds and replant. This year, they're just coming up everywhere. We had a real mild winter, and it's coming up. From a lot of times, they receive the sale. There's, you know, of all the, you know, you and I've looked at books and websites, and we've been to butterfly gardens. We've been all over the place. But when it boils down to it, there's only five or six plants that butterflies really, really like. So uh-huh. uh, do you have the shrub called Abelia? I do. Uh-huh. It's a good one. It's a real I good like one. That. Yep. And I wanted to tell you that you helped me a couple of years ago to find some native pipe vine and found it down by the river. And it's growing, and I'm on my second batch of pipevine swallowtail caterpillars. They're unbelievable, unbelievable. Uh-huh. They're, they're just looking for. There's something else in my garden that they really, really liked. Was it Gara, G-A-U-R-A? Yes. They uh, like that, and they like pentas. Yep, pentas is a good one. But uh, you also can't go wrong with plain old zinnias. You know what? I had the hardest time growing zinnias. Trying too hard. I know a dean. That, I know a dean at a law school grows it right by the parking lot. And that's the problem. My yard has a lot of shade, and yep. I have very few places that are just out in the open sun. Yeah. And I have planted zinnias, planted zinnias, and I and you're trying too hard. Thing, you, I try too hard. That and butterfly bush. I can't. Butterfly bush, butterfly bush, not that great. It's not what's cracked up to be here. It grows better yeah. in cooler climates. It's a, it's a weed in England. I'm, I'm in England a lot, and it grows along the railroad tracks. They have to spray it with Roundup. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, uh, I can't grow that, but I'm having excellent success with monarchs. I have released over 100, and I have given 75 caterpillars away to friends to raise, and I still have just... I've, I've only had one monarch in my garden that says, excuse me, well, it might have been two, but I saw it twice, and it's on this thing called butterfly weed, but it's the tropical butterfly weed that's kind of orange and yellow. Uh-huh. It, and talk about something that blooms and blooms and blooms and blooms. Hummingbirds love it. It will not stop, and uh, and it'll bloom in the light shade. Butterfly weed, the one called tropical butterfly weed. Yeah. And that's mostly what I, I guess that's what I grow, the kind that has the orange and red uh, bloom that and looks it, like lantana. And it keeps blooming and blooming and blooming. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, listen, we got... Check your, check your plant for eggs. If you had a monarch around there, I bet you got some eggs on I'm it. Right. That means I'm going to have to get out to spray and kill those caterpillars for the chew no, my plants. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, bring them to Columbia. I'll take them. I'll take any. Bye. Bye, Susan. Bye. <laughs> Let's go to Alabama. Jamarian, you've been hanging on a long time. From what part of Alabama are you calling from? Where you from? All righty. What's up? Hello? Uh, I have a little um, a variety of flowers, and then uh, um, there's a basket I have um, with the bees. Uh-huh. Stuff. Right. And then um, how do I um, keep them from? From having the bees on it? 
Jamarin, there's not much you can do about that because bees are going to come to flowers. That's all they do. That's what they do for a living. They're going to come to it like flies to honey. So is this in a hanging basket or a pot, or is it in the ground? It's in a hanging basket. Only thing what I would do is just put it at the far end of the porch because ain't nothing, you know, if it's got good flowers, bees and butterflies and stuff like that can come to. Now, the kind of bees, Jamarin, that, that work flowers are not the kind that are going to come after you. They're, you know, wasps and yellow jackets, they don't come to flowers. So you've got all different kinds of little small bees. They're not the kind that are going to, you know, they don't get mean is what I'm saying. So you don't have to be as, as a worried about those you would like a paper wasp. But the main thing, I would just hang it down at the other end of the porch, get away from the kids. All right. All righty. Good luck on it, Jamar. Appreciate it. Yeah. All righty. No, and don't put a lantana by your screen door because it can have bees too. Uh, let's do a little. Let's do a little cheesy music here, uh, Sir Java. We're gonna take a little break and come back with more of the Gestalt Gardener. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. If you wanna give us a call, toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. Shoot me an email during the week. Garden at mpbonline dot org. My vegetables, I'm gonna chow down my vegetables. I love you most of all, my favorite vegetable. If you brought a big brown bag of them home, I'd jump up and down and hope you'd toss me a carrot. I'm gonna keep well my vegetables card off and sell my vegetables. I love you most of all, my favorite vegetable. Oh, I tried to kick the ball, but my tanny flew right off. I'm red as a beet, cause I'm so Horticulture's fell rushing while we're in the break. Listen, the Beast Boys singing about their favorite vegetables. I got a, an email from uh, Emily. She said, "My and by the way, Emily, I'll, I'll, I'll answer this by email later." She said, "My 99-year-old mother is a fig tree that's been prolific for many years. Um, planted next to the house about 30 years ago. This spring, it leafed out beautifully, but as the fig started to appear, the leaves and figs shriveled up." and fell off. Is there anything we do to save the tree? And uh, Emily, the truth is, there's, 
I, I don't know what the problem could be. Could be too wet. Could have been a way, way too dry last summer. And you know, even though figs are native to the Mediterranean, they're used to dry weather. If we have a lot of rain, that makes their roots very shallow, and so they're more susceptible to, to drought. This is an oddball thing. Too wet causes problems when it gets dry, even to dry plants. Um, but also, there's a type, a little type of insect that go, goes into a fig tree. They're real small, sort of like a pine beetle, and as they bore in, they're called borers. As they bore in, they they they. They send out a little tube of sawdust, about like a pencil lead, light brown colored. Go out and look at the base of of, uh, Mama's tree and see if you see little tubes of sawdust sticking out of it. If you see that, that's a borer that can get into a fig tree and it can do a lot of damage. Not much we can do. The parts that are that are, are dying or are dead, just cut those out. And let's see if they don't have some sprouts come up around the base or if cutting it back doesn't stimulate some new growth. Because you can replace an old fig tree just like an old crepe myrtle by cutting it down and letting it sprout back out. So not any kind of sprays I can recommend, that's for sure. Now let's go to uh, Summit, Mississippi. Tom, what's going on in Pike County? Oh, I wanted to ask what I can put on a wild plum tree to to keep the uh, uh, any worms or anything from getting into it? Not a thing. Marijuana as a... What? I don't know what that was, but that wasn't me. It uh, wasn't me. That wasn't me. Um, there's, a, there's not a kind of spray. That, you're talking about those webworms, the tent caterpillars? Yeah, whatever can get in there and eat up the fruit. Oh, 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 on the fruit. Okay, on the fruit. Uh, there are some sprays. Here's a problem. And you can go to any garden center. They have this stuff called home fruit tree spray or home orchard spray. It'll be something like that. And it's got the right stuff that's safe enough for gardeners to use already mixed together. It just speaks with water spray. Problem is, uh, Tom, those, you know, the, 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 Little beetles, tall curculio, little snout-looking beetle, they can uh, they can lay those eggs, puncture that fruit, lay those eggs over several weeks. So the sprays only last for a week or two, or a rain or two, whichever come first. So, you know, you'd have to be out there spraying after the flowers fall off. You know, when the little fruits doesn't do any good to spray before the fruit start to get some size on them. Once they start showing a little size on them, you need to spray every couple of weeks or so, which is a real pain. Okay, and is that the same for a peach tree? Yes, uh, the home fruit sprays have got a, a, an insecticide and a fungicide that you know that that help because peaches get brown rot real real bad. It's hard to grow peaches without getting brown rot. So anyway, that combination spray. But again, every uh, week we can have or two weeks depending on the weather. Okay. Well, I thank you, sir. Not going to be your show. Appreciate Tom's not going to be fun, but it can work. Yep. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. You bet. Thanks. Now, John says he's calling from on the road. You got your hands on the wheel, John? Yes, I do. Okay. You're calling about pecans and blueberries. I'm pretty... All pretty... about pecans and blueberries. My yeah. pecans and blueberries this year or in the past week or two have put out new sprouts. And I'm wondering, is I have never seen this before. You're talking about the the blueberries or the pecans? I forget. On both of them. Both of them. Yeah. You know, we, you know, we, we had... No winter at all, and then we had a late frost, and that confuses plants. And, and the, now, now blueberries put on new growth all season long, so that's not unusual. Because if they went through a, a kind of a stress period, when a plant's under stress, root damage, drought, too much rain, anything that causes stress kicks in this hormone called traumatin. Have you ever heard of switching okra by any chance? 
No, I sure haven't. A lot of people talk about they go out with a stick and they beat the ochre to make them produce better. There's actually some truth to that. This traumatin, this this hormone uh, that 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 plants release from them to stress, kicks out some new growth. And well, I've heard about uh, beating the pecan trees to make them bear fruit. I don't know if that bears any. Yeah, fruit what what it does is it causes release. Really, you know, when we get scared or or, or damaged, we put out uh, um, what's the adrenaline. Mm-hmm. Well, plants don't have adrenaline. They've got traumatin, is in trauma, and uh, and it stimulates new growth and flowering too. Sometimes we see spring blooming plants bloom in the fall because of a hot, dry summer, kicked out some traumatin. So anyway, nothing I would worry about on that. Okay, sounds good. Appreciate your program. Oh, oh, let me give you a real quick tip on your blueberries. Go out this month, and everything that grew this year, the kind of a pale blue-green new growth, uh-huh. Cut it back about halfway. If you'll do that this month, instead of getting long and tall, those little blueberry branches will branch out, and they've got enough time to bush out the rest of this summer and set flower buds so you'll have more berries next year instead of tall things with a few berries at the end. I hey, appreciate the idea. All right, and good luck on it, John. Okay, thank you now. Bye. Okay, folks, we get, we've got some lines open. You want to give us a call. It's toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. Got the lines wide open. Love to, to chat with you about it and um, kick around some ideas. By the way, I got a, an interesting uh, email this past week from uh, Boudreaux. He says, that's the name, H.J. Boudreaux. Um, he says, talking about bananas. Last week, somebody said they throw bananas on, on, on their plants and to fertilize them. He says, so the secret is... Mix the banana peels in the dirt around the plant. Not a whole peel just thrown on top. Uh, he said, how's the plant supposed to absorb the potassium from the decomposing peel? Um, anyway, he said, there you go. Best of luck, H. Boudreaux. Um, and it's, I know his email is called Just a Cajun 33. <laughs> just a Cajun. Um, listen, Boudreaux, here's the deal on that. If you just throw banana peels on top of the ground, they shrivel up, they turn black. They're not that pretty, but, you know, it's just, just black. Everybody knows because it's got that little Chiquita sticker still on a little shrivel up black thing with Chiquita sticker. But it will eventually decompose, break down, and its nutrients will work their way into the dirt, you know, just it, just like rain. But you're right. If you bury them or if you chop them up, but anyway, if you could put them on top of the ground and cover them with leaves or lightly work them into the dirt, worms will come up. And worms will eat that fresh banana peel. They they will eat them up in two days, like they're not gone. And then the worms will quickly convert that from banana peel into rich, plant-ready nutrients, and they'll spread it throughout the wormholes all down around the roots. So you're right. If you can throw banana peels, don't do like me. I just throw them toward my compost pile, and I got just a compost pile. It's got sometimes it smells bad because I put, you know, onion peels and stuff like that out there. But anyway, if you'll just go, if you'll throw it on the ground and put some leaves on top of it, anything to make it where worms feel safe, they'll come up while it's fresh and they'll take it from there. So a good idea. Sheet composting means just throwing stuff on top of the ground. Some people like the way it looks. Some people think it looks nasty and it can smell and attract fruit flies and stuff like that. But my little leaf pile, I got a piece of a, of a hoe. I pull a little leaf back, I throw stuff on the ground, I push the leaves back on, and I'm done with it. Now, let's go to Philadelphia. Hey, Harold, good morning, sir. Hey, Felder, how you doing? I'm fine. What's it, when, when, I was at the pub the other night. When, is the, when does the house party start? End of the month? Uh, it started uh, Friday. 
Oh, it's Friday. Oh, this coming Friday or today? Yes, today. Okay. It's going to be hot. Well, it's always hot. What am I saying? Yep. Yep. (laughs) What can I help you with? Felder, I think I have accomplished the impossible in my garden. Uh Uh-oh. I have done something that no Mississippi gardener has ever done before. (laughs) Keep it clean. I have have failed at zucchini. Oh, no. Actually, I've failed before. So sorry. Well, I've got plants that's knee high. They're sprawled everywhere. Uh, they made a few uh, fruit at the beginning of the season, uh-huh. uh, but they're just not blooming, not making any fruit. And these are planted late. I was out of the country in May, so most of May. So they're planted right in May the twentieth, the twenty fifth. That's not making. Well, a couple of things. Yes. They're, they're not. Are they flowering at all? They flowered early, but they're flowering now. No. Okay, a, a couple of things. If they're not flowering, then uh, it, it it's going to be it's a physiology thing, not a disease or an insect. Too much fertilizer, no fertilizer at all. The plants are crowded. You know, one of those kind of things. Uh-huh. Uh, we've had plenty of rain, so oh, yeah. so uh, it could very well be that it just needs just a little bit of fertilizer because all that rain may have washed all your fertilizer away by now. Well, Felder, I've I've had my soil tested and the fertilizer according to the Extension Service recommendations. I've once a month, I sprinkle just a little bit of uh, potash and a little bit of nitrogen to them. Well, they don't need the potash all that much. Potash lasts for a couple of three years. Uh-huh. But the nitrogen, if you'll just give them a little bit of nitrogen, not not very much, or use a slow-release kind of nitrogen, you know, some cottonseed okay. meal or urea, something like that. Okay. But uh, that's about all we can do. If they're not flowering, if they've got good-looking vines and they're not flowering, that sounds like a, a, a water and fertilizer issue. It could okay. be, It well, could be that you've given a little too much nitrogen. A little okay. bit might be too much, and they're just growing big and green. Okay, could be, and I've, all this water might have something to do with it. Yeah, so, okay. uh, all right, the main thing, keep in mind, for the nitrogen fertilizer is, is, you know, like drugs, you know, you just don't want to overdo that. Right, right. Well, I'm, I'm pretty judicious with it. I put Good. about a one handful for every 10 feet of, of row, so I don't put a lot. Yeah, it doesn't take much. Uh, that just sounds like water and fertilizer. Okay, let's let's hope they they turn around before the squash vine borers uh, get to you, though. Well, I hope not. Okay. <laughs> See you, Harold. Thanks for calling. Bye. Okay, uh, if you want to give us a call, toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. We got twelve minutes to talk about gardening, and right now we only got Tupelo and Loretta. Hey, Loretta. Good morning. Good morning. I was <laughs> hoping you'd talk about blueberries today. Well, I talked a little about blueberry bushes. Well, I heard that the very end, could you just say the, the, in 10 words or less, when I trim off them to make them bush out again, that's when I turned off. As soon as you get through picking, cut the big stuff back. Okay. And anything that came up this year, cut it back about halfway and do it now. Okay. But what I really wanted to tell you about was I went out there last week, and uh, there, have you ever heard of azalea caterpillars getting on blueberries? Yeah, this same same basic family. Well, anyway, I just there. Um, I'm a graduate of Mississippi State, and when I looked at them, they were maroon and white. And I'm like, that's the first <laughs> maroon and white I've ever seen that I didn't like. Go go go, worms, huh? Yeah, but <laughs> but the entomologist down there told me that that's what they were. And then before the day was well, we cut the branches off that had them on it. 
But before the day was over, they turned black and white, but they still had that kind of maroony red head. Yeah, yeah. You know, and by the way, you can, you can just thump them off before they get back a burr. They were all wadded up together. I've never seen such a mess. It was yeah, gross. and they're kind of pretty, though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go, go, go ahead and, and instead of cutting branches off, you know, just not, yeah. uh, they eat leaves. They don't poison anything. So, you know, I would just knock yeah. them off and let the birds and the spiders and the wasps get them. You know. shouldn't spray or anything. It's not, it's, you know, by the time you notice them, they've done most yeah. of their damage and it's, it's right. not that yeah. big a deal. So, uh, you know, n- no sense in, you know, cutting the plant back did more damage than they would have. Loretta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Thank you. Listen, listen. Go out and sometime this you know this weekend and just snip this year's growth, all the new stuff. Just snip it back about halfway, and you'll have a whole lot more branches and berries next year. Okay. Thanks a lot. Okay, lady. Thanks for calling. Mm-hmm. Bye. Okay. Let's go down to Mobile. Hey, Mikey. Good morning. Hey. Good morning. Um, am I coming through? Yep. Okay. Um, Yes, sir. um, uh, My question this morning, I appreciate you taking it. I'm waiting. Regarding regarding hanging up, you know, the hanging up wasp hornet attractant things. Um, I know that they need to be, according to the instructions, you know, uh, what, 100 feet away from the house and your neighbor's houses and stuff. Um, My big question is, if you hang it up in that sort of an area, does it, because it's, um, I'm guessing it's pheromonically based, um, does it continue to attract those same ones coming back later? Well, these things are designed to attract wasps and things away from where you are, but it's designed to kill them. And for the most part, wasps and yellow jackets and things like that, they don't bother people unless they got a... Uh, you know, if and, and I'm scared. I have a little girl squeal. If I get a wasp near me, I can't help myself. It sounds just like a six-year-old girl squealing. And, and I close my eyes and I jump. So if I'm up high, I'm out of here. But anyway, if there's a nest near the door or, or close to where you are or in a birdhouse or something like that, I will take care of that. But as far as putting something out there that attracts wasps and things, it brings us from all over the place. It's just needless killing of beneficial insects. These things are meat eaters. They're beneficial. You just don't want to, uh, you know, the, the reason if you're afraid of them and you put something, you know, 500 feet away from your house, it's going to attract them from every direction, including those that aren't bothering you. So I would just put them, I would just, well, okay, but I'm just saying that, you, you know, you'd have to, if you hung a thousand of them out there, you're going to attract more to your yard to begin with. So main thing is I would put it close to where you are, away from where you are, so that any that are near you are attracted away from you. But those things are more gimmick than anything. And they, you know, so, you know, if you're allergic to them, the main thing is just, you know, take those kind of precautions. Make sure there's not a nest near the house or near where you are. And uh, as long as you don't disturb them, they're not going to bother you. That's the that that's just a fact. They don't just, they don't come after people unless people threaten them. I appreciate it so much. Okay, Thank good luck on it, Mikey. Yeah, I'm not trying to be all tree huggy here and stuff like that. But the fact is, you know, those mosquito zappers you put in your yard, it pulls it pulls bugs and beetles and beneficial stuff from the neighbor's yards too. They attract as much as they as they destroy. And um unless there's something really bothering you, you know, if you can't fix it, flee it or fight it, flow with it. Uh let's take a real quick break, Java, and uh we're gonna come back and we got time to squeeze in a couple of three more phone calls. You wanna give us a call? 
toll free one eight seven seven M P B ring. We're gonna be talking about gardening every Friday and it's rebroadcast on Saturdays. There are a lot of programs produced here by Mississippi Public Broadcasting, award-winning programs that you're not going to hear at any other state. If you're from Alabama, Louisiana, Tennessee, Arkansas, or Mississippi, or any place else that you're close by, you're welcome to talk, as long as it's about southern gardening. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. This is the garden party we call the Gestalt Gardener on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Let's see if we can squeeze a call or two in before the end of the program. We'll be right back. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, old folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow Rush. I want to make sure that uh, when we're over today, you stay tuned for Next Stop Mississippi, see what's going on. Got all sorts of programs here. Let's go to Scuba, Mississippi. Leo, I was actually through Scuba not too long ago. What's going on in that little town? Oh, just hot, just hot. Are you really from Scuba or near Scuba? I am from Scuba. <laughs> what can I help you with? Uh, is Delph, two questions. Is Delph made from chicken manure and, cow, and and horse pee? And is it, can you put that in your garden? It, okay, now, I got the chicken manure and the horse pee, and, but what was the what was the product? Uh, uh, Delph, D-E-L. Delph is for, for the new uh, uh, 18 diesel trucks. Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. No idea. Be glad to find out, but, man, I don't know. I yeah, wouldn't be I wouldn't I, be surprised, though, because they both got plenty of energy in a different form. Well, a guy told me that that, that works out in the woods, came to bring us some, and he said, when it rained, watch that grass, and about um, three weeks later... It rained, and man, let me tell you, that is, grass outgrowed everything else. Out there. So, is this a fer- but this is a fertilizer, right? No, it, 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 it's a it's a fuel diesel fuel additive to make clean up, make the diesel not smoke. Oh, I don't know, don't know, don't know. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, what's uh, what's the other one? Huh? I, I got stumped on that one. You said you had two questions. Well, that's the other one. Can you <laughs> can, and can you put it? The other one is. Can you put it in your garden? Okay, okay. We I, chicken I, manure. Okay, uh-uh. you can you can put chicken manure. You can put a horse urine. You can put all that in there. But I don't. I wouldn't put any kind of of uh, a product on there until we find out for sure. You know, Leo, if you could shoot me an email, I will find out about that. But I wouldn't put a fuel additive on the on the lawn of the garden until we find out what's made out of. Not especially when you could just put the manure and the urine on it. Okay, hmm. DEF, D-E-F, fuel additive. I don't know. You know, there's a product that a lot of people use in uh, in their gardens that's called millorganite. Millorganite is used on golf courses. It's used all sorts of places. It's a, it's a, a, a sort of fertilizer, natural fertilizer. And if you read the label, millorganite is a proud product of the people of Milwaukee. It's <laughs> composted human manure. Not making this up. You can buy bags of it at the garden center. <laughs> I mean, come on, manure is manure. Whatever. Oh boy, the Gestalt Gardener, folks, is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We call it Think Radio. My producer is a laid back but hardworking Java Chapman. Phone greeter today was split off between Kevin Farrell and Patrick, Sir Patrick. 
I'm going to be thinking of y'all uh, as I get out to wrap up a few eyes and ends this beautiful, hot, and muggy weekend. going to take my time. Hope your garden fares well. Your plants' roots are cool and moist. The main thing of the weekend is too precious to slide. Take a t- kid to a garden center or a farmer's market and show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week. <laughs> <laughs>